Welcome to Nice Ashes. I'm Mike. And I'm Nate. What are we smoking today, Nate? Uh, and I told I told Mike I would do this. Uh, and I also told him I was going to butcher it. But uh, this is the Herrera Esteli from Drew Estate. Sounds about right to me. Now, wasn't Drew Estate behind the Undercrown? Yes, the Undercrown that everybody loves. Yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, at least this one says Drew Estate right on the label. So maybe it's good. They're very highly rated. So it was the Undercrown. All right. The one thing I have to remember, Mike, with my new V-cut is when I V-cut, it shoots cigar stuff out the back. <laughs> so um, I have to remember to do it over the ashtray. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I'm picking up cigar trimmings. Oh, interesting. It doesn't hold the uh, the little uh, cigar in the cup, huh? Well, it holds the cigar in the cup, but the back of it is wide open. So it kind of like shoots it out the back. Mm. At least the design of mine, which is fine. Like, I don't have a problem with it. I just I have to actively remember because I've switched from my guillotine cutter to this one now because I, I quite like this one. Uh, but I just have to remember, I kind of got into the force of habit with the other one where I would have to like kind of tap the, the cutter out to get the, the cut end out of it. Oh, that's right. Your guillotine uh, does have a little cup on the back, doesn't it? Yeah. Forgot about that. Mine's open. So interesting. All right. Um... Yeah, first couple of puffs are pretty good. Yeah, it's a pretty typical, decent cigar. Not overly dark, kind of medium bodied. Yes. Not uh, too bad. It does have a slight astringent taste to it, if you really look for yeah. it. Yeah, slightly. Uh, before we get into the topic, we have a couple things we need to wrap up. Uh, we're going to wrap up uh, for the sanity of Mike. We've got a couple, uh, what would you call them, uh, corrections or addendums or some previous episodes. Yes. Yes, yes. So uh, first things first, I was singing the praises of a Pittsburgh ratchet end wrench. What was it? The swivel end wrench. Swivel end. And it's it's the uh, indexable uh, wrench because they make a swivel end wrench. Uh, Nate showed me and I've never used that one. It's an in, it's called an indexable wrench. And this has been keeping Mike up at night. So hopefully tonight he can get some good sleep because he has come clean. Yes, yes, I have. Uh, and then, Mike, you also had an update on the uh, Sovereign Citizens. Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, so a listener sent me a text message about it, and they had a question about Native American tribes and uh, becoming a sovereign citizen. Because they heard because a they rumor. Said, oh, yeah, you go on. Oh, no, no, you go ahead. You oh, no, go ahead. Okay. Well, we, Mike and I talk uh, outside the show. Uh, Mike, I'm as a shock to some of you listeners. But Mike had told me that uh, this listener believed that Native Americans could adopt people into their tribe to then become sovereign citizens. Yes. And uh, I have disappointing information. So the BIA uh, has. 574 federally recognized American Indian and Alaskan Native tribes. And what is the BIA for those of us that are acronym adverse? Oh, the Bureau of Indian Affairs. <laughs> okay, thank you. The BIA does not set criteria for tribal enrollment. Each individual tribe uh, sets their own rules for enrollment. Uh, typically, the rules are based on genealogy. Uh, yep. and, uh, you have to usually have, uh, some sort of legal documentation showing family membership. And then they usually have a blood quantum, yep. uh, which is like, you have to prove genetically that you have a certain percentage, usually a quarter, 
Uh, and then you also have to have residency and continued contact with the tribe. Uh, now, this is for the listener. The BIA does not set the rules. Every tribe sets its own rules. So if there is a tribe that will allow white people to become band members, you would have to find that very specific band online. And I looked and I could not find any advertisement for that. I know that obviously you would not be able to qualify for the quantum and get federal subsidy. Now, as far as the tax policy goes, I know this because I worked with uh, tribal members in the past. You have to live on a reservation and work on a reservation to qualify for tax-exempt status. So if you wanted to be a tax-exempt person, you would have to be, one, a member of a band, and there's 574 of them that set their own rules. Two, you have to live on a reservation and work on a reservation. So even if you're a band member living on a reservation, if you work off of a reservation, you have to pay tax. Or if you live off of the reservation and work on the reservation, you have to pay tax. Does that all make sense? It does. What if you live on one reservation and work on a different reservation? That's totally fine. Okay. If you, even if you're, let's say you're a Navajo and you're living on a Hadatsa reservation and working on a Hadatsa reservation, you do not have to pay tax because you're living on a reservation. Yes. See what I'm saying? You're a band member of a different tribal nation, but you're still living on a reservation. Yeah. Yes. Do they prefer tribal lands or reservation? Uh, Again, there's 574 standards. They all decide what they want, right? Yes, yes. So there is no right or wrong answer. I, too, have an update uh, on one of our past episodes. And I I didn't text you this, and I was going to, but I figured it'd be better now to get your full reaction. Uh, Our plumber friend, Keith, said you nailed it on what uh, plumbers need to know. (laughs) Nice. Uh, He wants to know when you're coming to give a refresher training to plumbers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice. I uh, I will say that I'm quite handy and I fix almost everything at the house, but I will not fix any plumbing at my house I'm under no circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> like that is a, a skill level beyond what I am capable of. Uh, and my confidence level is about zero. Yeah. So <laughs> I did put a, I did put a new, uh, was it the flapper valve in our toilet? Although mm-hmm. I don't think I said it correctly. But, uh, and then, uh, just recently I had to put a new, uh, handle on our toilet because we had the original plastic one from like 1960, whatever. And I was sent to the store with uh, explicit instructions to get a metal one. Oh, sure. I replaced and all I the did. flapper valves and handles on my toilets in the house. I'm talking more anything that has to do with piping. Yeah. 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 I don't want, yeah. I'm not messing with it. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I'd probably fix, I'd probably change out a faucet. But yeah, I don't think a faucet. Yeah. I think a faucet is easy. I I'd, I'd change out a faucet in our bathroom, and that was fine because it's like it's mostly just the hoses. Like you shut off the water, make sure all the water's out of the thing, put some towels down because there's still water in it, even though there's nothing coming out the faucet, and you just put a new faucet in. Like it's not complicated as long as you do all the things the right way, you know. Right, right, and the flooding wouldn't be. You'd know right away if you messed it up. Hopefully. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But you have a story about coming unglued bowling, and then we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. I do. But before that, uh, did you send that video? I forwarded you a video about electricians. Did you forward that to our listener friend? (laughs) No, I didn't. Uh, uh, (laughs) Pretending a broom was Klein. 
Yeah, pretending a broom was Klein so the electricians would clean up after themselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's funny yeah. because um, you've helped me out multiple times with electricianeering, right? Electricianeering. Yep, yes, I have. Yes. And you're like, okay, you're just like clipping things and snipping things and things are flying everywhere. And um, and you're like, yeah, we don't clean these up. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, which is fine because like you're helping me. So it's not a big deal for me to clean them up, but... Uh, it no, it's so true. Sent me that, and I'm like, "Yep, yep, that's totally." totally it's so it. true. Yeah, everybody shits on the electricians, rightfully so, by the way, <laughs> uh, because cleaning up after ourselves is not. It's like, yeah, just cut the end of the conduit off and let it fall into the corner. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're going to be out of this room in an hour, or so screw yeah, it. Yeah, to, to be fair, like you know, the cleanup is not the important part of an electrician's job, making sure things don't burn down and electrocute you and stuff. That's the important bit. So I, right. I think that's like, what do they call that? Um, I don't know, managing your expectations or <laughs> whatever it might be. But as long as the electrician <sighs> stuff is done correctly, the cleanup is fine. It's not a big deal. Right. It depends on the contractor. If you are working on a commercial project for a big enough contractor, they typically have somebody whose job it is to clean. Yeah. Yeah, we just don't worry about it. <laughs> Nobody wants to pay $50 an hour for somebody to clean. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us about your bowling ungluing incident. Oh, sure. So um, there was a bowler who uh, turned 18, and I was not aware of this. I know their parents, and I saw them. And uh, I was like, oh, that's interesting. So a week or two later, I see him again, and I'm like, Surely you're not old enough to be bowling on adult league yet. You know, me being older and then being the child of one of my friends. Like, yeah, I yeah. turned 18 over the summer and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, well, that's cool. Uh, that, that I wasn't upset. I was like, that's really exciting. So uh, another week goes by and there was some complaining about um, bowling balls not hooking on the lane. Uh, this person was a youth bowler. Now they're joining adult leagues. So it's a new environment different alleys, different everything, you know, and they were complaining. The bowling ball was dirty, oily, no maintenance being done. The ball's not hooking, just skidding through all the oil, you know. And I look at them and I said, did you clean your ball? They're like, no. I'm like, well, do you wipe it off? No. When's the last time you cleaned your ball? I don't know. And I said, when I look at you roll the ball, I can count the number of revolutions on it with my eyes. So you're not putting any power on the ball. And you're also not cleaning the ball, so you're allowing it to become dirty and oil-soaked, so you're not giving the technology even a chance to hook at all. You don't deserve to hook the ball. If you want to hook the ball in the modern environment, you need to, one, roll the ball in a way that imparts revolutions on the ball to create friction on the lane, and two, you need to maintain your equipment. You spent $250 on this bowling ball, and you're not taking care of it. You're not rolling it right, and you're not taking care of it. I'm like, you need to adjust to this environment, right? Everywhere you go now, you're going to have lots of oil. It's supposed to be there. It's to be there to make it more difficult. So stop complaining and start taking care of it. <laughs> and they did not like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I wasn't your coach, and I, but you were being coached in an environment for children. Now you're not a child anymore. Now you're in adult league. In an adult league, there's different conditions, you know? Expectations are Welcome different. Welcome to the big leagues. Exactly. Like, you're not a child anymore. <laughs> so, oh, I went off. I'm like, 
You know, yeah. don't use that dirty ass towel to clean it off. Go get a, a fucking leather pad. They make them now specifically to absorb this new modern oil. You know, and you got to bake them every 60 games. I went through the list of shit they need to do to maintain it. And they're like, well, there's a lot of stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's a $250 piece of equipment. And you have more than one of them. Think about it. You just made a $1,000 investment. You got to maintain your equipment, you know? Yeah, sure. And then they're bitching about not being able to hook the ball and bowling bad and all this. And I'm like, you are the directly responsible for your bad bowling. Like, don't blame anybody else. It's your fault. Yes. So... <laughs> The lane is not making him ball bad. He chose to ball poorly. So, Right. Yeah. You're making choices that created this environment. And when I said you don't deserve to hook the ball, man, that like look in the face like, huh? like, yeah, you earn it. I don't <laughs> yeah, know how I mean, else to say know, it. What is it? Who was it? Was it Abe Lincoln who, who said if he had the if he had to chop down a tree, he would spend like three quarters of the time sharpening the axe? I've never heard that quote before. <laughs> oh, there's some there's some quote like that. Um Basically, it was like, how would you chop down like the largest tree ever? And it was like, I would spend most of my time sharpening the axe, you know, because right. uh, the, the right tool will, will make quick work of anything if it's upkept well. And, uh, and speaking of upkept well, I changed the headlights on my car. The, uh, yes, it looks great, too. And I sent you a picture and I can see at night now, which is awesome. So huzzah. All right. So, Mike, we decided we were going to talk about different diets for this episode. Yes, uh, and this was mostly because I was feeling poorly a couple of days ago, and I told you that I ate like dinner, and then that was about it. And you said, "Oh, mad," and I'm acronym adverse. Uh, I think that's going to be on the uh, the ADA list soon. Of my disabilities. <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" And you were like, "One meal a day," and and. Um, you were saying that, uh, what, you eat one meal a day, try and get your blood sugar to not be high all day. And then yes. my response was, well, as a type 1 diabetic, I wonder how that kind of works out with uh, diabetics. Because if I don't have food and I do things, like I don't have, now this is like more than what we need for this episode, but there's insulin, which... Uh, counteracts the carbohydrates that a, a person eats. But then uh, when most people don't have enough uh, carbohydrates, uh, there's a, it's, I don't know what it's called, but it's like an anti-insulin. Like it's another hormone that kind of like keeps your, your blood sugar at a right level, but I don't have either. So if I don't have- Are you enough, talking about ketones? Uh, or, no, or you ghrelin want, or something? You, you, well, you don't want ketones. Like if I go high for a long enough period of time, I get ketones in the urine and stuff like that. Mm. Um. I mean, maybe it's ketones. Well, that's what the keto diet is is all about, I guess. The ketones. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. Even though I've been diabetic for, I guess, over thirty years. But whatever. Um. But whatever it is, like you need both, right? You can't just have one or the other. So that's kind of the thing with the insulin pumps. Is the insulin pumps will give you insulin, but until they come up with one that also gives you like the anti-insulin all in one, like it's not a true replacement for the cells in your pancreas that short out. To give you right. these, uh, but but regardless, uh, that's that's neither here nor there. We're talking about different diets, and so I pulled up a couple articles about pros and cons of different diets. I don't know, Mike. Do you wanna do you wanna start, or do you want me to go through some of these, and you can kind of like um, interject as you might have more familiarity with some of these than I do? 
Yeah, let's have you go through them, and that way we have an outline, but not just uh, me rambling about nonsense. Yes, but we love when Mike rambles, because then Nate can smoke his cigar. Um, However, (laughs) we we talked in between episodes here that this will be one of those episodes where Nate and Mike bring you the internet to your ear holes, because we're just kind of of reading from the internet. But uh, you know what? If you're not going to look it up, we might as well for you, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And basically, most of the things we talk about have to be looked up somewhere. I'm not going through the due decimal system anymore because this is 2023. All right. So the first one here, this is uabmedicine.org. So you know it's legit because all .orgs are legit. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, the keto diet. I'm sure most people have heard of the keto diet. Um, I know my my wife's parents have gone on keto diet. And uh, I do know I do have some experience with this because when they're gung-ho about their keto diet, uh, when we go up to visit, they only cook keto things. And not only am I hungry as all get out, but I can tell like I've lost some weight after that weekend. So I know it works. I know it does. What kind um, of keto things are they cooking? Everything's That's the question. Keto, man. It's like keto pizza and keto whatever. Like, sure, that shit's like. Sometimes. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you go on. I was going to say, like, the biggest issue that I've seen from the outside perspective of the keto diet is yeah. that they're trying to use modern science to make things that are bad for you slightly less bad and possibly yeah. as bad just in a different way <laughs> right yeah. like it's yeah. not like a truly uh traditional ketogenic diet which would be like meats and vegetables that are low in carbs with oils you know like food yeah. that you're supposed to eat right like vegetables that are non-starchy you know so like for the keto pizza and stuff they use like almond flour or something Mm -hmm. instead of like regular flour and a lot of like maybe pizzas with like cauliflower crust or things um very low so basically the ketogenic or keto diet it's high in fat and low in carbohydrates uh which traditionally are sugars right Mm mm-hmm so basically, it causes the body to break down the fat into molecules called ketones, and the ketones circulate in the blood and become the main source of energy for your body's cells instead of the carbohydrates or the sugars. And this diet, I guess, is used to treat types of epilepsy and uh, some types of cancer. Yes, and type 2 diabetes. Yes. Also, there's growing research about uh, using a ketogenic diet during cancer treatment because cancer cells use sucrose. Okay. Yes. Uh, so the pros, it's very effective for short-term weight loss and reducing epileptic seizures. And then studies suggest it may have benefits for treating diabetes and some cancers. The cons, however, are there's not enough research to prove that it works and that it's safe for long periods of time. Right. And ext- extreme, extremely limiting carbohydrates uh, can cause digestive problems, headaches, and other side effects. We also have to say right away that the standard American diet is an abysmal failure. That has created the highest rate of obesity and oh, uh, heart attacks. It's absolutely horrific uh, health consequences for sure. Yeah, we know that it's possibly the worst possible thing that you can eat. Yeah, so. I think the two. I think the two things that I've noticed about American food, and especially when you go out to eat somewhere, is one portion sizes are ginormous. They're massive, and two, the amount of salt they put on things is ridiculous we do a lot of like cooking at home and it's nothing like fancy right it's just like we cook things at home but i never add salt to stuff 
And so mm. when you go out to eat, you're like, whoa, that is salty. But salt is addictive, and salt makes you drink more, and salt makes you want more beer and more wine and more whatever. So, like, I understand it because it's all marketing. Like, everything's marketing. It's not really... Right. And so is sugar, by the way. That oh, sugar yeah. absolutely sugar. Is, a, is addictive. Oh, but sugar won the war. Sugar said, no, no, it's fat. It's fat content that makes you fat in food, not sugar content. But that's right. not true. Even though sugar has to be converted into fat through your liver to be used as food in your bloodstream. Your brain uses yeah. sugar directly, but all your muscles and everything else cannot use it. So it has to be converted to fat and then converted to ketones for your muscles to use. Yes. So uh, that's and I think we should part also of the obesity we're, problem. We're not, we're not doctors or nutritionalists. So we are not. We are not. Again, we're just here smoking cigars, drinking, and having fun. I'm drinking a, a Hop Valley, but this time it's a Bubble Stash IPA. Oh, nice. I'm drinking a whiskey sour. There you go. So my uh, a single glass of whiskey is done. Bottle is cashed. So straight on to whiskey sour town. There we go. All right. The next one is intermittent fasting. I know there are a lot of apps out on the Apple Store and the Google Play Store uh, for intermittent fasting. You can set up your own things. Uh, but basically, uh, it's an e it's eating patterns. So it includes hours or days of little to no food consumption, but you're not limiting essential nutrients. So you alternate, uh, common ones are you alternate a day of fasting, uh, fasting two days each week, and then strict limits on when, what times of the day it's okay to eat. Yes. And some people argue, there's doctors that argue that eating like the six meals a day that was recommended a decade ago is leading to type 2 diabetes because your blood sugar never drops and it's how probably not you, the best for you to have you high blood sugar six all the time. meals a day uh you eat six small meals a day were these were these doctors from the shire yeah exactly yeah you're supposed to have like one major meal and then small snacks throughout the day right i don't know if you oh, ever heard that yeah no i did i think yeah. my mom was onto that for a little bit yeah yeah and it's like Literally the road to type 2 diabetes because your blood sugar never drops. And obviously you become insensitive to sugar if you always have high blood sugar. It makes sense, right? Uh, I'm not a doctor, but it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things make sense if you think about them hard enough, which a lot of people don't like to do. I'm not trying to call people out. I'm just saying, like, you know, do some research every once in a while is fine. Uh, but, you know, like, do good research. Don't do, like, Facebook research, I guess. One of my favorite jokes of all time is a Jimmy Dore joke, and it goes... People were making fun of me for doing my own research. What that really means is they're making fun of me for being a reader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, of course. That's <laughs> You're a reader now? What? Are you reading, loser? <laughs> Intermittent fasting. The pros are many dieters find it easier to not eat during parts of the day rather than following portion control and calorie restrictions all of the time. Um, and a small amount of research suggests that fasting may lower blood pressure, blood sugar, and cholesterol levels. And then the cons are that it might limit your intake of vitamins and minerals, and it's effective for weight loss, but there's not a whole lot known about like long-term health, health effects or how easily people can stick to that kind of diet. Yes. And again, disclaimer, the standard American diet is literally the worst thing you can do for your body ever. It's horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's terrible. I don't know if it's more terrible than being in like a country that has rampant starvation. <laughs> no, it's the exact opposite, right? Like all the yeah. American diseases are diseases of excess 
which yeah. our diet, the standard American diet, uh, generally uh, pushes, right? Like a box oh, of macaroni yeah. and cheese is not a healthy dinner, right? So hey, it's delicious. Watch, watch it's delicious, it, you but it is not good for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny because like I never really thought about it. If you go like, oh, I'm going to go have like Italian. Well, what do you get? You get like a huge fucking plate of like spaghetti and you get breadsticks. And it's like, well, I'm just eating like all the carbs then. You know what I mean? Right. Like, With sugar not, and like, fat. Yeah. Yeah. Sugar, fat and uh, salt mixed together is just an addictive concoction. Right. Yeah, of course. Not good. Uh, so this next one, I know my dad did this one. Uh, this is the paleo diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is named for the Paleolithic era, wherein humans obtained food by hunting and gathering instead of by farming and processing. This diet emphasizes lean meats, fish, vegetables, fruits, and nuts. Um, and I had thoughts on this one because I was thinking about this one when we were talking about doing this episode, Paleolithic. And now I read um, like The Dawn of Everything, and I read um, Indian Givers. And I, I think we briefly talked about Indian givers on the show where, like, the potato was native to the Americas uh-huh. and uh, maize was native to the Americas and tomatoes were native to Americas. So when you're thinking about, like, Paleolithic era, I don't, I'm not, uh, you're more up to speed on the history stuff. Were there Paleolithic humans in the Americas at that time? Yes, there were. Also, maize and corn in the modern sense are not the same thing, right? And tomatoes are not the same thing. So that's why something like an heirloom tomato exists because we've genetic, we've, it's not genetically modified. It's just through breeding over hundreds of years, we have propagated certain properties, which is usually high sugar content because it tastes better. And all bananas are clones. Right. Um, But I did want to mention one thing, and, and the reason why I called it maize instead of corn is because corn is a designation of your country's main exported grain or whatever. So cornflakes here are different than cornflakes in the UK. So our our big uh, crop is corn or maize, what people call maize, and corn in England is wheat. That's their big export. So when you say corn in the UK, it means wheat. It does not mean maize. Hmm. I did not so know that. That is, uh, yeah. And I didn't know that until I, uh, until I did a one month long internship in London and uh, they don't, they don't call it like, uh, so anything that was corn was wheat. So cornflakes would be like our, our uh, Wheaties, right? Huh. And then um, cornflakes there would, would be like maize flakes or something. So it's just, it's a slight uh, differential, but it's, it's like an economic agricultural term, not talking to a specific grain or or plant but whatever that country exports the most of sure that's interesting i did not realize that uh, but yeah so that was my, my thought with the paleo diet was well what what paleo era humans was it all paleo era humans because if you're talking like my paleo diet is from the uh from europe well then you're not eating potatoes right you know what i mean but or modern tomatoes or modern corn or modern wheat like yeah. us wheat at least for sure yeah yeah uh, but i think it's more um what in spirit right than actually being uh specifically tied to a certain region or whatever yeah facts are not necessary yeah of course not uh so the pros are uh the paleo diet successful weight and appetite reduction 
and there's some positive impact on heart health. The cons are limited by cost and food availability. It's expensive because uh, the less processed something is, the more expensive it is for some reason. And I'm sure there's no foul play in there whatsoever, but uh, but that's how it is. A box of mac and cheese costs way less than like one apple. Um, and then it also restricts certain food groups such as dairy products, fiber-rich whole grains, and uh, some legumes like beans and peas. So the diet may have long-term negative effects based on nutritional balance. And I think we're going to find that a lot in some of this stuff where it's like the nutritional balance is kind of out of whack. Not that not that the nutritional balance of the average American meal is where it needs to be, but right, have you tried any of these, by the way? Uh, yeah, of course. Oh, okay. I've done uh, keto. Uh, okay. I did like the shitty keto where you try all the weird keto foods and you can lose weight. It's very hard to keep it off. Yeah. I've tried certain levels of intermittent fasting. Those who've seen me know that I'm overweight for sure. Uh, my weight has fluctuated. I have a hard time with that. Uh, largely because I like the shitty American foods, you know? It's just hard to resist, you know? Yeah. I uh, My weight fluctuates too, and I feel like I might be the heaviest I've ever been. But uh, I kind of like, when I'm stressed, I, I tend to eat, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know that I, I don't... I I feel fat, but I don't think that I really look fat because I'm so tall, but I just, I feel like I'm overweight, you know? Oh, sure. That's body. You don't look fat to me, my friend, but that's (laughs) a matter to you, you know? I have a... To you, to me, so... Well, thanks, buddy. Uh, I don't have any issues with blood sugar, fortunately, but I do have uh, borderline blood pressure usually, uh, typically because I spend a lot of my time being pissed off, I think, and I'm overweight, you know? Yeah. The, the pissed off might have more to do with it. I think the pissed off might have more to do with it. I have a very, I, I have a lot of stress in my job and I have for years, yeah. uh, different careers, obviously, but I, I, I tend towards the higher stress career paths for some reason. Yep. So it's just a lot of anxiety generally, but, yeah. uh, right now I'm trying to control my sugar intake and I've pretty much switched to just one meal a day, um, because oh, okay. largely, uh, eating one meal a day is easier for me socially with my job yep. that I just eat dinner with my, uh, spouse. Right. And, uh, so that's nice. And then I don't have to worry about eating through the day. I just, it just, it's not an issue because I'm always busy all day long. Yep. And then trying to lower my sugar intake, uh, helps with not eating during at lunch. You know, I haven't ate breakfast on any regular basis for years. Like, Okay. I don't know. 15 years, maybe even longer than that. Like I never really ate breakfast. So I kind of always did the intermittent fasting, I guess. Okay. Yeah. But not not eating lunch obviously helps with lowering the calories and just eating dinner and being done with it, you know? Yep. And uh I've been doing that for a while and I've lost weight, a lot of weight yeah. actually. That's good. Slow and steady wins the race, right? A lot of these diets, the sustainability of it is what's important and you know, a lot of these ones so far have said, oh, well, nobody knows if you can do this for a long time without like health risks, if you're severely limiting one thing over the other thing. And what I found when I lost the most weight uh, myself was when I was really active with the portion control, uh-huh. right? because your, your stomach kind of stretches out. And if you have one big meal, then your next meal, you want to be as big for whatever, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know all the medicine behind it or the science behind it. But if you can do the portion control, I feel like that's an easily sustainable thing. 
whereas saying, well, I can't eat this because it's not keto or I can't eat that because it's not paleo or I can't like some of that stuff. It's like, if you want to shed weight, that's fine. But you also have to have that continual plan in place then. Because it's not just about losing the weight one time. Then you have right. to keep it off, too. And that's where a lot of these things, I think, and I don't know for sure, but because I've never really like actively tried to diet other than, like, I know I need to lose weight, so I'm going to try and eat less food each meal. Sure. So Which for I me— Which is a diet, but— Right. For me, I struggle with portion control, for sure. Yeah. Uh, which is where, like, controlling my drinking comes into it because, uh, you know, I can go and drink four or five beers— bowling but that's a thousand calories right like drinking four beers is yeah borderline on a thousand calories so if yeah. you do that twice a week you're not getting drunk at any point uh because it's spread out over three four hours yeah. but now you just added in an extra two thousand calories and that's not really sustainable over a lifetime unless you're cutting something else out you know yeah well uh, and every time i look at like one of these uh and we don't we i usually just drink coffee at home but every once in a while, we go out and we get one of the uh, like the caribou coffee, like the coolers or whatever. And you, if you ever look at the the nutritional values on those things, it's like, well, there's my entire calorie intake for like the next two days. Oh yeah, it's terrible one, with one of those things. And it's like, yep. how is this even legal to sell these things? Oh, it's terrible. And uh, my Sarah used to work at Caribou, and she had this lady that would come in and order two of those in the morning, every morning. Like, two of these, like, super large, extra everything. Like, and it's like, how many calories is that every morning? Right. You know? It's it's crazy, you know. And a lot of it has to do with schedule. You know, that lady might work 14 hours a day. And it's okay. really hard to uh, make healthy decisions when you're doing that. I know that when I was doing 13 days on a one day off... I would buy pre-boiled eggs because I didn't have time to boil eggs yeah. at home. Yeah. I just didn't feel like I had the time to boil eggs, which is insane. But that's just the life I was living at the time. You know, I was doing school. I was working. You know, I was doing some crazy shit. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like a lot of this stuff is like it's all societal. It's not, I don't know if it's really pressure, but like, of course, there's societal pressure to work hard and and do well at your job. But these jobs shouldn't require health sacrifices. You know, it's one of those things where it's if the job really wanted good long term workers, they would build that lifestyle stuff in to where you would have time to do these things, you know, and they oh, for sure. help you with that. But they don't give two fucks. And the society doesn't care because the people that are making tons of money every time somebody sneezes are making tons more money every time somebody uh, buys a box of mac and cheese versus an apple or something. Right. I, I saw a study, and it's been a while, so the numbers aren't quite accurate, but at, at professional jobs, you get 13,000 calories a year in empty calories on average because of all the donuts and cookies and like oh, yeah. muffins and shit like that that you get at the office, you know? Yep, yep. And I could totally see that or pizza, pizza at, you know, lunch events or, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like 13,000 calories added up over years of time is a lot of time, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of calories. And well, uh, most of those jobs are uh, sedentary. You're sitting. So right. they give you donuts and pizza and things, and they make you sit at your desk for eight hours. And you can't walk. You can't stand. You can't, like, leave your desk. So it's like a double right. whammy. Yeah. And for me, well, this is just me. Like, for the last year or so, I've just been avoiding eating lunch. Because that yeah. typically means going to a restaurant, which means yeah. you're eating 2,000 calories 
yeah. uh, every time, you know, okay. and that's just not sustainable. That's what you should eat yeah. for a whole day. Yeah. So it just makes my life easier. And like I say, I'm, I'm getting results. My blood pressure has gone down and uh, I'm losing weight. So that's what matters. Yeah. And if you could uh, cut down on the bitching out of 18 year olds, I think uh, your blood pressure <laughs> might go back to normal. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, other factors yeah. as well, but yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> all right, so the next one is the Atkins diet. So that's uh, it's similar. I guess it's similar to the keto diet uh, with its focus on burning fat. It was modified in 2002 to the four-phase new Atkins diet revolution. And what it does is it eliminates food made with, made with refined flour and sugar, and it restricts whole grain foods until the final phase of the diet. So and I think a lot of these like prepackaged diets – have phases where it's like the first week you do this or the first couple of weeks you do this and that and whatever. Right. I've, I've never been on the Atkins diet. I don't know if I've, I, I don't think I've known anybody who's been on the Atkins diet. I have. Uh, and it's okay. a very effective way to lose weight. It's very similar to the keto diet. Yeah. Um, Cause it's got a lot of gimmicky food. That's all really yeah, low yeah. in sugar and high in fat and a lot of meat eating. So Yeah. So the pros are it's effective for short-term weight loss, and it's easier to maintain than similar diets that limit fat intake. Uh, the cons are it decreases your nu- nutrient intake, and, it sugge- and studies have suggested that low-carbohydrate diets are unlikely to result in long-term weight loss and may lead to health problems. Uh, and I think that's like a lot of these are kind of like see results in the first like three months, and then they don't really care what happens to you after that. Uh, I don't know for sure. I'm not trying to like slam Atkins or anything like that, but you know, just like you gotta, if you want to lose a lot of weight, you got to do something, but then you have to also do something else after that. Like there's got to be a phase two to keep that weight off. You know, you can't just go back to regular eating afterwards because that's how you got into trouble in the first place. Right. And like I say, a lot of this stuff, they're trying to maintain the standard American diet just with chemical processes that are slightly different. So you lose weight and it's just, it's not good for your body. No, I am not a health expert, but possibly just eating real foods and limiting your intake of processed foods is going to be the best bet long term. Yeah. And I think to if you don't want to get all sciencey and stuff, well, that's my term for like, if you don't want to read the nutritional labels, (laughs) Uh, which is funny because so I'm I'm type one diabetic and they always ask me if I want to speak to their nutritional expert. And I'm like, no, get that person away from me because they're always like super preachy. Not always. I mean, that's like a generalization. But in in the past, when I have talked with them, they've been like super preachy. Like, well, what are you eating? Well, I'm eating a fuck ton of food because our society is what our society is. You know, like it's like from uh, Joaquin Phoenix, like Joker, I live in a society or whatever. So um, anyway, Uh, uh, the next before you before you continue cigar check, because I am half ish way. I'm half ish way. Yeah, uh, very good cigar. Very smooth. Yes, I like it. Medium bodied. I like it a lot. Yes. Yep. Yeah, this is a this is a good one. Drew Estates is usually pretty good. I was really disappointed with those. Uh, uh, you remember, but I don't. But <laughs> what the hell were they called? Yeah, the Undercrowns. Yeah, I was really disappointed with those. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. I don't know. This one's fine. Uh, it's good. I I, I could see this like uh, playing golf. Right. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good one. It's, yeah, it's not insanely good, but it's perfectly adequate. Yep, I like it. It's it's good. It's uh, it's been consistent. Yes, sir. All right, the next diet is the Mediterranean diet, and I know uh, my wife's parents or my wife's mom was uh, huge into this. I think we've got a giant like all of these diet books for some reason are like a four inch spine or something, and it's like it's you don't 
like that's too difficult. Like you can you can make these things easier. You don't have to. But anyway, we had like a printout for a while. Uh, but anyway, Mediterranean diet. This diet follows the traditional eating habits and lifestyle in countries along the Mediterranean Sea. But basically, it's uh, you focus on fruit, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts, and heart healthy fats, and you limit dairy, red meat, highly processed foods, and sugars and salts. The pros are it's the most extensively studied diet to date, and research shows it can have preventative and therapeutic impact on many chronic health conditions. Uh, and it's especially popular among people who are interested in a healthy lifestyle and not just weight loss. But the cons are it can be expensive to maintain. And if yes. the calories from olive oil and nuts are not carefully watched, those and other fatty foods in this diet may contribute to weight gain. So if you go too hard into it on uh, certain aspects, you might actually gain weight. Absolutely. Well, it's all about calories. Well, not all about calories. But ultimately, you can't eat 3,000 calories a day. You know, you just can't. No matter what they are. Like a ch- that sounds like a challenge, Mike. And I'm going right. to do it. God damn it. I'm just kidding. Yeah. And 3,000 calories come really quick if you're drinking two beers, three beers, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will not tell you what I have drink tonight. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, here's the next one. I'm switching to a different website now. I'm going to try and not repeat what we've already talked about. Uh, this one's called the Blue Zones Diet, and I've never heard of it. Never heard of it. Okay, uh, so this one, the pros, uh, so the Blue Zones Diet, I guess, got its name in 2005. It's based on demographic research into regions where the author, Dan uh, Bootner, found people live longer than average. So basically, he did a study where he found uh, people that live longer than average and then figured out what their diets were. Uh, It emphasizes whole grains, a handful of nuts, a cup of beans, and five to ten servings of fruits and vegetables daily. Uh, It says no sugar-sweetened beverages, salty snacks, packaged sweets, or processed meats. Uh, So the pros are a holistic approach to wellness that encompasses diet, social connection, and whole food, plant-based diet, and moderate physical activity. And it minimizes processed foods and sugars. Uh, The cons are grains and legumes are not ideal for people with food sensitivities, and it minimizes meat consumption, which can fit into a balanced diet. Yes. All right. Uh, This next one, and you mentioned this one to me, I think, before we started recording, the carnivore diet. Yes. Uh, So the carnivore diet is pretty simple. You just eat animal foods. Uh, Some carnivores will allow coffee, dairy, and animal fats, while others are meat only. Uh, Basically, it's a zero-carb diet, which can increase your risk of digestive issues and thyroid problems long-term. But you're not eating fruits and vegetables, so you're missing out on some of that stuff, too. Yeah, you have to eat a lot of liver and uh, brains and other shit like that to get all your vitamins. Anytime somebody says brains, I think of the scene from Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom with the jello monkey brains. Oh, yeah. Awful, right? Like, well, the, the, the the issues with the carnivore diet is that a lot of our vitamin intake is from uh, leafy green vegetables, green veggies, you know, colorful vegetables. Yeah. And uh, you have to substitute then a lot of liver and lung and all these weird organs that are just not available generally in the United States. Yeah. I think the problem with the carnivore diet is that we're omnivores and we're not carnivores. And it's the same as the the pet owners that feed their cats only vegan food. And then their cats are like so sick. Right. Yeah. It's like people trying to feed their dogs like plant-based treats. It's like, look at your dog's teeth. Every single one of them are sharp. They, they want to eat flesh. Uh, it's just the way it is. So it's ugly, but it's true. Yeah, and so like it goes. I think this one kind of goes against like nature or evolution or what have you. Um, So yeah, it says it's easy to follow for a pro. You just eat meat, so it's easy. You just fucking eat meat. 
And then the cons are it's extremely restrictive and zero carb is not sustainable. All right. Uh, the next one is Dash Diet. I don't know if you've heard of the, about that. No. I just thought of like I just thought of DoorDash uh, when it when it said that, but you know, I guess it's been around since the '90s. And it says Dash. It's an acronym which I love. I've mentioned uh, Dash stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. So it's designed to reduce blood pressure. So the pros are it emphasizes whole foods. It reduces processed foods and sugar. And it provides easy guidelines to apply to your everyday meals. So far, that doesn't sound too crazy. No. Uh, so the cons, though, it says it allows artificial sweeteners in moderation, limits saturated fats altogether. I guess there's an extra hyperlink here that says, uh, read why that's a problem. And then it says it's not really ideal for people with food sensitivities. But I don't know. I feel like this one is maybe more positive than any of the others we've read about uh, so far. So the DASH diet. Uh, I guess if you have... Uh, high blood pressure, Mike. It might not, not might not uh, be a bad thing to look into the Dash diet. Again, I'm not a doctor, so right. I am not a doctor either, but I guess that I have been consuming a modified version of that. I'm like okay. lazy about it. I'm not like doing any yeah. sort of counting of anything. I'm not interested yeah. in that. But uh, you know, yeah. it's funny. I'm not really interested in that either. But I have to count carbs to give myself insulin, and I do. But I kind of like. I have a, a trouble like estimating the portion sizes that I'm eating, you know? So until I can get like, if I can point my camera and be like on my phone, like, here's what I'm eating. Just tell me. I just won't know because it's too, t it's difficult. You know, like it's, I know it's not really that difficult. People do it all the time, but it's like an added step. So I think a lot of the issues, it's kind of like using a diet app, like Noom or something. Mm -hmm. You have to make it like a hobby and it's not an enjoyable hobby. So people don't stick to it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like just yeah, enjoy it's, yourself. Uh, it's it's uh, laborious is what it is. Right. Try to be responsible the majority of the time. Right. Yeah. Like we've hung out in the last year and it's not like I'm like restricting what I'm eating or anything like that. No. But on days where I'm just going to work and coming home and doing that, it's like, Maybe I should have some, uh, you know, some broccoli with uh, maybe some a chicken breast or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Not, 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 not get crazy, right? <laughs> well, for me, like I said earlier, it's like it's the portion sizes. Like I just eat a lot, but I know if I just didn't eat as much as I eat, I would lose weight. You know, so I don't know. Right, and adults used to smoke cigarettes, and we don't anymore. And I think a lot of that has been replaced with eating. Which is why yeah. our lung cancer rates have gone down, but our obesity rates have gone up because well, people cope. Uh, you know, aren't cigarettes like an appetite suppressor? Absolutely. Yep. Yes, they are. All right, you ready for this next one? Yes. The picture looks like a lot of salad. <laughs> so, uh, this one's called the Dukan Diet. D U K A N. Uh, the Dukan Diet is a high protein, low carb diet. It was developed in two thousand. Uh, there's four phases that promote rapid weight loss without making you feel hungry, primarily by emphasizing high-protein meals and keeping carbs low enough to put you in ketosis. And each phase has its own rules about what to eat and everything. But there, I guess there's a lot of guidelines uh, for each phase. But the pros are it's designed to help you shift into ketosis. It encourages eating more protein, which helps you feel full. Helps you feel full. Cons, eating too much protein over an extended period of time can kick you out of ketosis and increase other health conditions. And strict guidelines may not be ideal for people who have a negative relationship with food. Right. A lot of these seem like uh, gimmick diets that we're covering. Yeah, I was hoping the South Beach, South Beach diet would come in here 
Yeah, maybe I don't know anything see. about the South Beach diet. I thought it was you just drank this like shake thing from South Beach diet, and then that was good. Okay, uh, and Weight Watchers. Weight Watchers is going to come. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say. Yeah. All right, so this next one is the gluten-free diet. Yes. And basically for people with celiac disease. And I've read, and I don't know because I'm not a scientist, but it's not really the gluten, it's the other stuff. But I guess things with gluten tend to have more of this thing anyway, but it's not really the gluten. See, and I've read that because we have genetically modified wheat, uh, modern wheat has higher gluten in it than uh, it okay. used to have. And that does okay. affect people, not like celiac level. But yeah. our bodies are not capable of processing all that wheat gluten that's in like chips and, okay. uh, you know, sh sugary garbage stuff that we eat. Sure. Pros are it eliminates gluten, protein found in wheat, grains of barley. Uh, and, I, and there's been some gluten-free beer I've seen. So, you know, they're certainly doing that. Uh, and it's more accessible now uh, because there's growing popularity in gluten-free foods. Cons are it's not an inherently healthy way to manage weight. It requires extra care to avoid gluten contamination. So if you really do have celiac, uh, you don't need you can't uh, come in contact with any gluten. And then it's very difficult to manage if you're eating out. Oh yeah, for sure. This next one looks interesting because it's a picture of a whole bunch of pills. So I'm sure this one's good. Uh, it's called the <laughs> HCG diet. Never heard of it. The HCG diet makes big claims without a lot of substance. This diet is unsafe, and HCG products are illegal. Uh, it recommends limiting, limiting your calorie intake to just 500 calories per day for an extended period of time, which can slow down your metabolism, interfere with your body's natural process, and makes you feel lousy. This reminds me of... Oh, God. It's one of my favorite films. Uh, this reminds me of... Uh, the Matrix. No. Matrix. <laughs> uh, Requiem for a Dream. Oh, okay. Uh, where the the mother of Jared Leto, Bernstein, phenomenal, phenomenal performance from her. She's taken uppers and downers because she wants to lose weight because she is convinced she's going on a game show on TV. And she takes all of these pills. And then it's it's crazy. Uh, so the pros are it allegedly leads to rapid weight loss. The cons it says here is literally everything. Over-the-counter HCG products are banned by the FDA. <laughs> so this seems like a diet you can't even follow anymore without being, uh, I guess, illegal. So I don't know why that's even on there. But I guess it was a diet at one point. The next one is the low FODMAP diet, F-O-D-M-A-P diet. Another great acronym for you. Uh, yes. And it is an acronym. Uh, catch. Good catch. FODMAPs. Fermentable. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. I see why it's a acronym. Fermentable oligosaturides, disaturides, monosaturide, and poly, polyols. All right. Are carbohydrates that can cause digestive distress in some people. If you've ever felt bloated after eating wheat, legumes, high fructose fruits like apples or milk, you may benefit from a low FODMAP diet. Uh, so basically the pros are providing relief for people with digestive concerns, and it limits common triggers for food intolerances, intolerances such as gluten and dairy. The cons, it's not really a diet, but more of an eating pattern, and it takes two to six weeks of strict adherence to take effect, and it's best done with a doctor's support. Sure. I've never heard of that one. No. Uh, this next one's called Master Cleanse. Uh, it's also known as the Lemonade Diet. Uh, the Master Cleanse is a way to lose water weight by only drinking liquids and laxative for at least 10 days. Hey, that sounds fun. Oh, my God. Let's do that. <laughs> Fuck. Why not just not eat anything and drink water? You know, like, why add extra steps? All right, so you know, like, Epsom salts, right? 
Yep. So you you put them in a bath and it like makes your skin feel good. But on the back of the on the back of the like the bag, it's like it could also be used as a laxative. And so one time, uh, my Sarah was like, "Oh, I'm all like gunked up. I gotta do like I'm gonna do the laxative Epsom salt thing." And she did the thing on the back of the thing, and she like shit for like three days. Like, that was like the worst ever. <laughs> Do it over a long weekend is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure my wife is super thrilled. I'm talking about that right now. Uh, so the pros of this diet, the Master Cleanse, is that it's simple. You just drink lemonade and laxatives <laughs> for ten days. Can you? Oh my, <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, the cons are it's not sustainable because you shit everything out. And then uh, it's extreme caloric restriction and it increases your stress hormones. So like your body knows when you're being like fucked up, right? Right. That's insane. Oh, yeah. That's funny. I- I'm going to recommend that one <laughs> to anybody <laughs> who says, how can I lose weight? I'll just drink laxative <laughs> for 10 days straight. <laughs> yeah. It's just drink water and laxative. You will lose weight. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> Not a doctor, but... Yeah, not a doctor. <laughs> Fuck. All right, this next one's called the mono diet. It's called the monothropic diet. It involves eating just one type of food for an undefined period of time. It was popularized in 2014. But there's, I guess there's been people that have followed this throughout history, and they're usually branded eccentric. Um, it's dangerously restrictive and increases your risk of nutrient deficiencies. So Yeah, a lot of people do potatoes. They like... Uh, do baked potatoes or like whatever. Yeah. 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 All right. The next one is Nutrisystem. It's a convenient way to have prepared pre-portioned meals delivered to your door. So it's one of those like, you know, made to order things. Uh, the pros are it's convenient. All meals are delivered to your doorstep. And the structured format takes the guesswork out of the weight management. Uh, but the monthly, uh, the cons are the monthly cost. And it's not ideal for people with food allergies or sensitivities because you just get what they give you. And it makes eating out difficult because you're supposed to eat your prepackaged meal from the uh, subscription service, right? Right. This one's called a pegan diet. That sounds almost as made up as some of the, uh, uh, what is it, the LGBTQ flags we read about. That I had the same thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we're we're doing a podcast together, I guess. Oh, good. I'm going to, do you know what? This is going to be my favorite sentence I've read ever, I think, at least on the podcast. Pagan, part paleo, part vegan. The pagan diet was created by Dr. Hyman in 2014. Dr. Mark Hyman, primarily a plant-based whole food style of eating, minus the beans and whole grains, but allows for some meat, fish, and eggs. Uh, but you're also going to be avoiding a dairy. You go 75% veggies and fruits, and meat is the side, not the main course. So it combines the whole food principles of vegan with the omnivore benefits of paleo, and it eliminates processed foods and common allergy triggers like gluten and legumes. Cons are nuts and seeds contain phytic acid and anti-nutrient that can cause sensitivities. So I don't know why it would be like part vegan if you're also still eating meat and thing, but... I think it's avoiding... uh like milk and dairy products in general. Yeah. Right. So the vegetarians will consume dairy products. Yep. Some consume eggs. And then, of course, the vegans are no animal product, which is just as kind of against our nature as paleo, seemingly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like we have sharp teeth in the front of our face for a reason. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Well, and um, uh, the vegans sometimes I know because I dated one in in college, or the vegetarians will do egg whites, but not the egg yolks. A lot of times. that and seems so like uh, not based on any sort of health thing. Man, I never said it was. Yeah. I'm just saying <laughs> no, I, sell, I know. I know. They sell, I know. They sell like a carton of egg whites, right? Yes. At the grocery store. And so I'd have to get that. And then she also uh, ate this, like, uh, I don't know if it was really like plant based, but it was like this plant based bacon. But she had to put so much butter Ugh. on it to make it like palatable. But I always called it faken and, and she hated me for it. And that's probably why we broke up. But it was terrible. It tasted like cardboard. And it's like, if you put enough butter on cardboard, of course it tastes good. <laughs> but not right. really. You My know, Sarah got a jug of egg white a while back for some yeah. reason. She had a very specific reason for it. She used whatever portion for whatever purpose she had. And then it sat in there until it just got thrown away. <laughs> like... I, I don't know yeah. why anybody would get that. We get farm eggs. Uh, yeah. And uh, they're wonderful. A anybody yeah. who can get farm eggs, please do. They are significantly different than a store-bought egg, uh, at least in my opinion. Not everybody thinks that, but I do. Well, it's based in science, too, um, partially. Because, well, if you get a true egg, like a farm egg, yeah, it does not have to be refrigerated. No, they do not. But if you get a store-bought egg, it has to be refrigerated because they run them through like the bleacher or the sanitizer, and it takes away layers of the shell to get rid of the, the, the chicken poop. And it means that it has to be refrigerated because it loses that structural integrity of the shell. Yes. So I don't know. It's, it's weird. Anyway, America does not want you to be healthy. That, I think that's the point of the episode. I mean, basically, you don't want to eat McDonald's every day. That's for damn sure. Well, yeah. Or so. Quick Trip uh, in this region. Oh, you know, God. I got I got so sick off of uh, uh, like a gas station. I don't know, like a burrito or something. I got like such bad food poisoning that I I refuse to eat anything from a gas station that isn't like a bag of chips. <laughs> That's been like, dude, I cannot tell you a lie. Uh, during like the first six months of COVID, I was very concerned. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I basically didn't want to go grocery shopping. So I basically ate at Quick Trip <laughs> exclusively for like six months. And I gained 45 pounds in six months <laughs> from eating at Quick Trip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and on the, I'm like, in hindsight, I was like, what an idiot. You know, like, yep. just get it delivered to your vehicle at the grocery store and go through the extra steps or go yeah, into the grocery yeah. store. You know, what a moron. Yeah. We all make stupid decisions. You I know? don't know that the food delivery and stuff was really a thing. And it wasn't where stages. I live. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't where I lived. At you know, now it is. But it, yeah, now it is. But it wasn't even really here at the very at the very outset of that. You know what I mean? Like the very the first uh, first few months. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, everybody had to shift. All right, this next one is the plant based diet. I don't know how that's different than veganism or whatever. But it says here, uh, humans have kind of always followed a plant-based diet. Early humans were opportunistic omnivores. So you're upping your overall plant intake and avoiding or minimizing animal foods. Yes. And many, so many different diets fall under this, like uh, raw food, vegetarian, vegan, and Mediterranean, and flexi flexitarian. Oh, God, flexitarian. <laughs> so I read uh, the China study. Which, if okay. people haven't, it's a very interesting uh, read. And it was a 25-year uh, case study in China. And it tracked the diets and the health outcomes of Chinese people. Yep. 
and it supports like a plant-based, largely plant-based diet as being healthier. Okay. It didn't track other trends like smoking and drinking and processed foods and sure. other seriously important factors, you know, but they found that eating a largely plant-based diet is healthier. Yeah. Which makes sense, you know, because if you think about a meal, right, like should your meal be mostly vegetables with some meat or mostly meat with no vegetables and should those vegetables be potatoes or should they be, you know, cauliflower or collard greens or, you know, kale or something. Yeah. You know, I'm guessing that uh, the majority kimchi uh, with a small amount of extra is better for you than like a pound of – General Tso's chicken and like some rice, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it says the pros, eating mostly plants means you're eating fewer processed foods. Uh, there's no limitations. You just up your plant intake and you don't have to completely el- eliminate animal food. The cons are that a plant-based diet still needs to be balanced. You need carbs, fats, protein, uh, not fruit all day. Uh, refined grains, added sugars of vegan fast food are plant-based, but not necessarily healthful. And some people have sensitivities to popular plant-based sources like legumes. The next one is the primal diet. Have you heard of the primal diet? No, but I'm sure it's some gimmick. I mean, to an extent, most of these are, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe what we currently eat is a gimmick, too. Oh, it definitely I mean, is definitely a gimmick by Big Sugar. Uh, I th- Like, early empire was all based on sugar production, yeah. right? Like, the slave trade was based almost entirely on producing sugar for Europe. Uh, and other spices. So anybody who wants to say the sugar is not an addiction, well, the slave trade existed for sugar. So I don't know what that would mean other than addiction. Yeah, and anyone who wants to say sugar is not an addiction, you try cutting out your mocha frappe, a lot of a lot of chinos or whatever the fuck they're called, and then you tell me if you're not addicted to them. Oh, my sugar or my Sarah, my sugar, my Sarah went through sugar withdrawals. I mean, she is your sugar. <laughs> she is my sugar. Yeah, yeah. She went through sugar withdrawals, and I have gone through sugar withdrawal, like just cutting out, yeah. like going from the quick trip diet to like trying to eat healthy. I went through sugar withdrawal yeah. like immediately. Like I could yeah. feel it, you know. So the uh, the primal diet. It's similar to the paleo. Uh, it emphasizes eating whole foods, restricting grains and sugar. And it also takes cues from what our ancestors would have eaten. Unlike the paleo diet, the primal diet allows full-fat dairy legumes and nightshades in moderation and only if you tolerate them. So the pros are it allows a variety of high-quality whole foods, and it minimizes processed foods. But the cons are, like other diets, uh, you got to pay attention um, to how you feel after you eat these uh, potentially inflammatory foods. And I was going to say, like, the other thing about, like, what our ancestors would have eaten, their lifespan was not what our lifespan is. I'm not saying it's it's all the food, but, you know, sometimes having good food is good, you know. Right. People people romanticize the past. Yeah. 200 years ago, the child mortality rate was 50%. So we've definitely, we don't live in the same world. So it's not really relevant no. in data. Yeah. All right, this next one, I don't know that I'm going to like because I don't like picture. Uh, It's called the raw food diet. (laughs) Oh, I've heard of that. So proponents of the raw food diet believe that cooking food destroys its vitamins and nutrients. Uh, It's true that some nutrients are lost when certain foods are cooked, but cooking can also make food easier to to digest, reduce anti-nutrients, and even make certain nutrients more available. Most foods in this diet are plant-based and never heated above a certain temperature. 
Uh, it's not all raw broccoli and carrot sticks. Raw foodists use devices like high-powered blenders or dehydrators to prepare their meals, which means you can still eat foods like smoothies, dried fruits, and nut butters. Uh, but please don't eat raw chicken. That seems like a gimmick as well. Yeah. So pros, you're going to eat a lot of plant-based foods. I don't know how that's a pro, but sure. Uh, eating more fiber promotes satiety. 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 So you feel fuller longer. Cons are eating raw or minimally heated foods may increase your risk of foodborne illnesses. Please cook your food all the way. Do not eat raw chicken. Uh, it's inconvenient, especially if you're eating out. Uh, just bring me the raw steak, please. Uh, and maybe difficult to eat enough of your daily calories. And here's the one I wanted to talk about finally, the South Beach diet. Ew. The South Beach diet emphasizes food with a low glycemic index, or foods that have minimal impact on blood sugar levels. It's also broken down into phases. Even though it's a low-carb diet, it's not uh, not intended to put your body in ketosis. So the pros are it encourages mindful eating. Lower-carb style of eating may help you enter ketosis, and it includes convenient options like an app and prepared meal options. But the cons are the costs associated with it, because you have to buy their products. You can get keto flu symptoms during the first phase. That sounds great. Sign me up for the keto flu, please. <laughs> and uh, prepared meal options are not always ideal for people with food sensitivities because you just get what they give you. So Now, here's one. It's called the slow-carb diet. Have you heard of this one? I have not. This one's developed by the author Tim Ferriss, and he's written some stuff. I think I read one of his books. But, of course, like you have to get into the, like, the diet stuff right, to make money, I guess. Uh, so this one came out in 2010. The slow-carb diet claims to promote rapid weight loss by following a six-days-on, one-day-off structure. You eat unlimited amounts of food from a certain list. Then you have one day a week to eat whatever you want. It restricts food like white carbohydrate, which eliminates rice, refined flour, and bread, and fruit, which is high in fructose. So pros, eating the same meals, the same few meals reduces decision fatigue. It allows one day a week to eat whatever you want. Uh, cons, having the one cheat day may encourage binging behavior, and it's difficult to follow in social situations. Absolutely. I do have a note for a cigar. I'm getting flaking on the cap. Oh, okay. Like I'm, I'm getting some uh, leaf coming off the outside of the cigar. Oh, I am not. Which I'm getting, I have like uh, about an inch, inch and a half, something like that. Okay, yeah. I'm about there. I'm maybe a quarter inch behind you. But uh, I'm not getting any flaking. But my last cigar, uh, like I mentioned, kind of started to unravel. But Mine also just went out. So I'm going to have to relight. I've relit this one twice, I think. Okay. But I've also been talking, so I'm not sure if it's the cigar or just me and my smoking. But Right. All right, this next one, we're getting near the end here now. Uh, this next one's called the Zone Diet. I mean, most of these I haven't heard of. Um, the zone diet is designed to promote hormonal and anti-inflammatory benefits by putting your body in a physiological state called the zone. So oh that God. sounds like bullshit to me. But uh, to get there, you eat about 40% carbs, 30% protein, and 30% fat with every meal. You also restrict grains and starches. So the pros are it minimizes consumption of grains and starches, and it reinforces the importance of omega-3 fatty acids. Uh, the cons are it discourages food high in saturated fat, even though grass-fed red meat, coconut oil, and grass-fed butter can support a balanced diet. Uh, eating every five-hour mitigates benefit of intermittent fasting, and it encourages low-calorie consumption. Mm-hmm. This next one, we didn't talk about the vegan diet yet, did we? We mentioned it. We didn't discuss it. Yeah, yeah this next one is the vegan diet, I guess. Uh, the word vegan was officially coined in 1944. 
uh, but it's closely associated with vegetarianism. You avoid all animal products. Pros are you fill your diet with plant-based foods. Uh, growing popularity means it's easier to follow. There's a lot of, like every restaurant we go to has the, the V in the little circle for vegan, right? So it's not difficult to do. Uh, but the cons are eliminating all animal foods without adjusting your diet may increase your risk of nutrient deficiencies, and it's not inherently healthy. So you still need to make sure you're getting enough macronutrients and micronutrients. So from what I've heard, a lot of people on vegan on a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet even still need, need to up their uh, vitamin intake to make sure they're getting all the stuff they still need. Right. It's like a not it's a diet that's available because of modern science. It's not something that your body wants naturally. No. Uh, the next one is vegetarianism. Um, I don't know that we need to like, I, I, you know, I guess it says here, historic roots. So it's practiced by uh, Pythorg- uh, Pyth- Pythagoras. Sorry. Pythagoras. Yeah, Pythagoras. There you go. Uh, in ancient Greece. So you eat more plant-based whole foods. It means you're getting more antioxidants and micronutrients. And there's different styles of vegetarianism to suit your needs. But the cons are eliminating meat without adjusting your diet may increase your risk for uh, deficiencies. And it's not inherently healthy. Many foods are technically vegetarian, but they're not nourishing, like uh, refined grains and highly processed foods. Yes. Now, here's the one you wanted to talk about is Weight Watchers. Yeah, boy. I don't know anything about Weight Watchers, to be honest with you. Well, I don't know either <laughs> other than they've got like everything's got like a value, right? Mm-hmm. And you have you eat X number of like value, like whatever the points are, right? I think so. I, I don't know. I'm, I've never done it. I don't know anything about it. I've known some people that have been on it. Uh, Weight Watchers teaches people how to apply healthy eating practices. Uh, they've got in-person and online coaching. And it's easy to stay within your goals by checking the point values of different snacks and restaurant meals on the go. So the pros are it's highly structured, but it's flexible. Uh, it's built-in support system and designed to teach people how to maintain healthy habits, not just lose weight. Not just lose weight. And then cons are it, there's a monthly cost, uh, depending on your program, because you can go and subscribe to whatever. It doesn't account for potential food sensitivities. And the point structure may not be ideal for people with negative relationships with food. Uh, the Whole30 diet, it's uh, its less of a diet and more of an elimination framework to change your relationship to food. You eliminate grains, alcohol, so that's right out for me, uh, sugar, legumes, and dairy for 30 days. And you instead focus on eating nourishing whole food-based meals, hence the Whole30 name. At the end of 30 days, you can stick to the plan's principles while you return to your regular diet and hop back on to the Whole30 when you want. So I guess at least it accounts for you might not want to do the thing for the whole time. Uh, so you've got the uh, the pros. You eliminate foods that commonly contribute to food sensitivities. Uh, popularity means it's easy to find recipes and Whole30 compliant ingredients. And there's extensive uh, online support. The cons are requires the commitment to go cold turkey at least for the first 30 days. And it can be difficult to balance eating out. And cooking Whole30 meals requires planning and time. It does. It does. Uh, what is your cooking schedule in your week? What does that look like? Uh, when I need to eat, I cook and then I eat. What, I mean, what do you mean? <laughs> well, like, so when I lived alone, I tried to prep all my meals on like Sunday and then oh, sure. I, they would either be already cooked or prepped so I could cook them like you do in a restaurant. And yeah. uh, I've been trying to get back into that because I cook most of the meals we eat at home. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, it's easy I to fall out of that habit. Of the cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I do a majority of the cooking. We've experimented with a lot of different things. We did, we used to do a lot of like uh, freezer meal prep. 
So we would get all these recipes for freezer meals, and then we would spend like two hours on a weekend or something, like prepping all these freezer meals. And then all you'd have to do is like toss them in the slow cooker or whatever you had to do, and then go from there. And we kind of have gotten away from that. And now we kind of like, if we have enough food to make meals for the week, we just kind of do those. It's a little more lackadaisical now. <laughs> uh, it's a little tougher to manage with our current like schedule and everything. But we're also trying to like settle into like the schedule. But I know that it's better for us to have a plan of what we kind of want to eat for the week when we go grocery shopping instead of like saying, what do we want to eat tonight? And then going out and getting the groceries for that and then coming back and, and doing it because we end up spending a lot more on groceries if we don't have a plan than if we do have a plan. But we don't really do much meal prep other than we know that if we do tacos one night, we'll have enough meat left over to do like quesadillas or nachos another night. So sure. Yeah, yeah. And I try to do like Sunday, I try to do all my slicing and dicing, get everything into containers, throw it in the fridge. I cook what I can. And then I try to have a mixture of stuff I can mix together and make a meal and not have to do any cutting. And then also stuff I can just throw into the microwave or into the air fryer and heat it up and be yeah. done. Yeah. Depending on what we're doing. Do you do a lot of manual chopping? Yeah. I enjoy uh, working on a cutting board. Yeah. So we do a lot of manual chopping, though we do have a food processor, which I wish we would use more because like it's real quick and easy. It takes a lot of like the laborious, time consuming stuff out of it, but. Also, it's like kind of a pain to clean, so I'd like to do a lot of stuff in it to use it. You know what I mean? Right. Yes, I do. As a side note, I have like three quarters of an inch of my cigar left, and it's very good at the end, yeah. uh, in my opinion, but it's getting very hot. Yeah, it's getting hot. I'm, um, I don't know, got to be like an inch and a half left, and it's it's hot, but it's still good. Yes, do we have any more diets or are we finally nah, cashed? That's it. that's it, man. We're cashing the diets. Um, Perfect. What are your thoughts on all the diets? A common theme is to eliminate processed food, which basically yeah. means don't eat the standard American diet, Yeah. which is hard, you know, especially if you're working out in the world, you know, and you want to eat a lunch and you didn't bring one. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it seems to be like a lot of the cons are like, this is difficult to do if you're eating out. And so I think like another common theme is maybe don't eat out a whole lot because it's not super healthy. It's definitely even not. If, even if you're going to like a sit down restaurant, they still are putting tons of salt in that, you know, and butter. Oh, way more than you would uh, at home for sure. Oh, yeah. I, I cooked at restaurants for a decade, and you would never make food like that at home, ever, uh, with the butter and the salt yeah, and yeah. the sugar, like just throwing sugar in, you know. Yeah. The mashed potatoes at the restaurant are so good because they mix in potato, and then they throw in a lot of salt and a lot of butter, and then they put in potato flakes to thicken it up. That's why it's so thick oh, and okay. fluffy, because they add in fake potato flakes to like fill the body <laughs> out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like you wouldn't do that at home, most likely. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. Right. I did do something like, and this is, this is, oh man, uh, I had a coworker and he loved to eat and he would say, oh yeah, it's a total uh, FGM. That's total FGM. And uh, that's an acronym, but it stands for fat guy move. So I did yep. this whole fat guy move the other day. And I was like, oh, yeah, so my daughter wanted uh, mac and cheese. And I was like, sure, yeah, let's do mac and cheese. And we bought this big fucking bag, Costco bag of uh, real bacon bits. You know what I mean? Like 
Just bacon bits in a bag, like five yep. bacon bits. So I've been having like bacon bits on everything, right? So I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, we'll do, we'll do like mac and cheese, just the craft mac and cheese, and we'll do bacon bits. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna try and like one up this. So like, I boiled this mac and cheese, but I put chicken bouillon in the water to boil the mac and cheese noodles or the noodles, right? And so it was like salty chickeny noodle taste <laughs> with the cheese and the bacon bits. <laughs> and like, it's a total fat guy move. It was good. Though. Oh yeah. Well, every time I make mac and cheese at home, I add extra cheese for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I still think like. With all the diets and everything, I think the biggest thing in America probably is just the portion size. I mean, and the processed food and stuff, but like portion size alone. Like if you look at the portion size, like the, like one box of mac and cheese is supposed to feed like three or four people. One right. box. And it's like, oh, well, if more than two of us are eating it, it's two boxes for sure. Like that's that's crazy talk, you know. And oh, you go out to these yeah. you go out to these restaurants and it's like you get this plate and the plate weighs like five pounds and you're like, Well, I'm paying for this, so I'm gonna eat the whole thing and it's full of salt and butter, so of course I'm gonna wanna eat the whole thing. And then you're like, Oh, I want an appetizer and I want dessert too, and I'm gonna have two or three beers, you know, like no wonder. Like no wonder. So yeah, even going out to eat once a week can throw your diet off and you're going to gain weight. You know, you're just going to, unless you're extremely active. Yeah. I mean that, and that's the one thing, like most of these diets never mentioned was like bump up your activity, like get on the, get on the bike or elliptical or whatever, like go for a walk. But that's the whole thing is like a diet alone isn't going to do it for you long-term. Like you also have to, you have to have what you can, can, um, maintain, and you need to be more active, especially if you've got a desk job. You know, even if you're home with a desk job, you still need to got to get up. You got to move. You got to do stuff. And I don't do enough of it. Like, that's part of it. Right. And a standing desk, I don't think is going to do it alone. No. Standing desks are big now, but. Yeah. And they're nice. Uh, but you still got to be active. You got to move. You got to get that heart rate up every once in a while. Right. I have a standing desk and I don't know if I've ever used it to stand. So. <laughs> yeah. Maybe once. <laughs> well, how often are you at the standing desk, though? Once a week at most. <laughs> yeah. Maybe once every two weeks. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's difficult to watch. Your largely sedentary, is it? No, no, it's not. It's not. Uh, out of every two weeks, I do one day of paperwork, usually. Yeah. And uh, it requires multiple computer screens. So standing up, it's just not really conducive to it to manage yeah. multiple windows all at the same time. Yeah. My cigar is cashed, by the way. Yep. yep. So I'm uh, about to put mine out. I got all the way down to a half an inch. It was good. The end was yeah. the best part. So yeah, this one's this one's been good. There's other ones uh, that I have liked more, uh, at least recently, like the Hoya Black and the uh, CAO Consigliere. 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 Sorry. <laughs> but uh, this one's this one's quite nice. It definitely makes up for the Undercrown. So yeah, I think so. Yes. I think anything where Drew Estates will actually put their name on the cigar is probably better than one that they won't. Right. Right. I think that's it for the episode, everybody. Be yeah, safe, have fun. Thanks for listening. <laughs> get out of here. Come on. Be Go safe, on, have get. fun. <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs>